standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. It is Wednesday, the 27th of September, 2023, episode 498. Slowly creeping towards that 200,000 download goal. Let's see if we make it. All right, before we get into the topic of the day, which is going to be entitled Just Wondering. It'll be a series of things that have me curious. I, I truly wonder what the answer to the questions may be. So let me remind you before we get into that, the best way you can help me make a difference, the best way you can help me stand up in McKinney is to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Yes, take take to your social medias, tell your friends, uh, come and join me. We have a nice Facebook page and group. Uh, we like we like to have some fun, and uh, you know I, I'm trying to grow it now. Uh, I've got lots of episodes out there. Let's let's uh, build the network, right? And uh, if you're feeling particularly motivated, do me a solid. Rate and review this program. Every little bit helps. I am but a small speck of what some of the great ones are on the podcast media or radio, but we still keep on working it. They they say the uh, inspiration comes from the perspiration, and I think that's true. So here we go. On with the show. All right. So... <sighs> You know, I, I talked about on yesterday on the Texas Tuesday, you know, what the outcome might be from the mm, Paxton distraction, right? Um, I don't think, uh, well, I don't want to say that. I will say I'm pleasantly surprised that there was not more voters against him. I, I, I didn't know exactly how that was going to play out, um, but you know, politics never ceases to amaze me sometimes. And the, the strange bedfellows that come about. So I'm wondering, so does Jeff Leach take the loss on this? I, I'm wondering if he feels even the slightest bit embarrassed about his taking the lead on this, basically going after a guy that by his own words, he looked up to that he respected that he saw as a mentor, whatever his proper phraseology is. I I wonder how does he look himself in the mirror right now? I I mean, and I I say this because, you know, once upon a time, there was a certain amount of respect I had for the guy. I mean, I didn't necessarily like some of the things he did policy wise. And, you know, I don't know that he was always the nicest guy to people that I knew, but I had a certain amount of respect for him how am I supposed to continue to respect this guy? I mean, it was one thing when he was just referring to me as being a traitorous, seditious individual. And, and I never took that personally. And, you know, fortunately somebody else with some deeper pockets went and made him put his uh, money where his mouth was. Right. And they sued him for defamation. Uh, none of us would support sedition or any traitorous act, uh, but it's super easy to call out people that want to support Texas independence. Isn't it? Jeffy. So I'm curious if if you're really concerned about traitorous acts, you know, if you're really concerned about people doing bad things when they're in positions of power, why aren't you speaking out against, oh, I don't know, the president? 
Well, why aren't you the least bit concerned about the rampant abuse of power coming out of D.C.? I mean, I know you're only a state rep and you're tasked with dealing with things at the state level. But as a state rep and as a member of the group coming out of Collin County, why don't you feel the slightest bit upset with the way that the feds are behaving? Why don't you call them out on their rampant disregard for the Constitution, their rampant abuse of power, their traitorous actions, in my opinion? right? Uh, got to be real careful. You got to make sure you say that it's your opinion. And of course, the whole premise of this show has always been, it is my opinion. It is based upon my understanding of the facts. And as much as I try and remain objective, as much as I re- try and remain even keel and level-headed when talking about these things, it's it's really distressing to me that people that we want to respect, that we want to be proud of seem to keep letting us down which i guess kind of really leads me into my second uh thing here so i'm just wondering you know why is it that every time we win we lose and and if you're not sure where i'm going with that consider we have a majority in that texas house we have a majority in the texas senate Yet we spent an enormous amount of time, money, and effort for the show that was the political trial of our AG. Now, again, I've said time and time again, I'm sure the guy did some naughty things. I'm sure that maybe he needs his hand slapped. Okay. Um, I believe the biblical answer was that he is without sin can cast the first stone, right? (laughs) Consider the people that voted to impeach him. How many of them do you believe are innocent of all the various things they threw at him? I mean, one of our one of our own members. Now, look, I, I want to be upfront with this. Even though I fully acknowledge uh, it was foolish to do the thing that you did and then did it on camera, to, for it to be a felony charge is absolutely ridiculous. But how do you... How do you not see the same thing at play here? How do you get bent out of shape if if you're a state rep and you're upset that you know somebody at a higher level of office, I don't know, misbehaved in their marriage when potentially you're guilty of the same thing? Methinks you doth protesteth too much, huh? And and look, I I'm not throwing shade for the purpose of throwing shade i'm just saying that i'm I'm distressed because these are the people that we elected these are the people we want to represent us by a majority and actually a significant majority and they just don't seem to get it they spend an awful lot of time pandering to people that will never support them oh wait a minute Maybe that's the problem. They pander to the people they want to support them and blow off and ignore the people that support them anyway or probably ought not to. Now, I don't think that I'm comfortable with the notion of letting them lose in November as an option. I think that's a very bad idea. But the the sad state of affairs are that I don't see a viable option in the primary races. So again, even though we've won, we lost. The the contingent out of Collin County, at best, 
are soft conservatives. Now, I mean, if you get to meet with each one of them personally, I mean, they, they may surprise you. They, they may be friendly. They may, may say that they're good conservatives. And, you know, I, I'm not going to doubt them. I mean, we, we all know politicians like to play fast and loose with the truth. And uh, far be it for me to point that finger, right? I, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what they believe in their heart of hearts. I, I'm not about to go down that road, but the proof is in the pudding. The action is all that matters. What they do is what I want to grade them on, not what they say. So I'm just wondering, what are we going to do about it? Now I had intended on uh, spending some time on the two books that I reread over my vacation. And and I might still get to it here on (laughs) Thursday and Friday. But it it became necessary to talk about the things that went on in the week that I was off. I mean, (laughs) now let's take a moment and consider. Why is it that our Texas lawmakers spend so so much time dealing with piddly secondary issues, but we can't get the big things done? I mean, we have a significant majority in the House and in the Senate. We have the governorship. We have the lieutenant governorship. I know it's a convenient scapegoat to say, well, we have Democrat chairman, but the fact of the matter is that the Speaker of the House put them there and the elected Republicans supported them doing that. Now, I've heard some of the arguments and and I got to say some arguments are better than others and I can certainly concede that there might be some advantage politically to getting a Democrat in charge of a specific committee that happens to actually agree with us on that most important topic that might be covered in that committee. But let me ask you something. What's the cost? What's the trade-off? Are we really going to get what we want? So I think what it really boils down to is we've won... We have those majorities, but we keep losing. We don't get the priorities. We don't get the preferential treatment that we deserve as the majority party. And I think the other beneficial reason why they keep putting chairmen in that are Democrats is so that they can kill the bills for them. So that they can postpone them, that they can make them go away, and they have a convenient scapegoat for their failures. And you got to wonder why it's come to that. Well, why is it that we create these significant majorities, we can't get the stuff done, and we tolerate it, and we allow it, and we buy their excuses time after time after time? And I think, really, the sad part about this is that we know we have no better option. Now, realistically, I would love nothing more than to see Jeff Leach retired. As far as political races go, if I could pick any one thing that I would like to see happen, that would be it. And and not because he's libeled me and and not because he's kind of an arrogant jerk. No, just because I don't think he has earned our trust any longer. I don't think he deserves our support for reelection. But you know, the sad fact is, He's probably going to win his primary 
And we're going to all have to swallow our pride and vote that guy back in again. And to be clear, I don't live in the guy's district, but I'm speaking metaphor. Well, I guess metaphorically is not the right word I want to use here. As a general practice, we all have to accept what we're stuck with. The lesser of two evils. And I'll, I will throw this to you right here, right now. No matter how much I might dislike or disapprove or find lack of favor for Mr. Jeff Leach as a House representative, he is infinitely better than any Democrat that would be the alternative. So I, I'm really concerned that all my, uh, f- all my friends, my allies, my compatriots, those of us that are um, sticking to our values, sticking to our principles, they're going to spend an enormous amount of time, effort, and buy-in on the concept that they're going to be able to get this guy to go away, only to be extremely disappointed and in disarray when it comes to the general election. They're going to spend all that effort trying to run the guy off, which in my opinion, he probably deserves. No, not probably. He does deserve it at this point in time. But there's not a viable option on our team. Now, if somebody knows of one, I'm all ears, right? And, and, and to be clear, I've always been a fan of no candidate should run unopposed. If you or a group of people think that you know, whatever your candidate or whatever your representative or city council member or school board members, if you're displeased with them, I, by all means, you should run somebody against them. And you probably want to run with the knowledge that you're unlikely to win, but it forces the other person to make public statements. It, It forces the other person to actively campaign to hold their seat. It forces them to come to the understanding that people are not happy with me, especially if it's in a primary. Now, there's a certain amount of, you know, disdain or arrogance that comes with winning multiple elections and maintaining the seat, and you become uh, enamored with yourself. You you believe you're largely unbeatable, and to be honest, there's some truth to that. I mean, you've got a million-dollar war chest. You've got some significant name recognition. You get your face on the news, Right. People know who you are and they may not even love you, but they know, oh, well, you know, I don't know who this other person is, but, but I'm going to take that person. I mean, that's largely what all our elections boil down to now, right? So again, the idea is even when we win, we lose. We always have to settle. And then when you're talking about the idea of, well, this is what the Texas law is, this is what the Texas Constitution states, and the Texas Constitution is quite clear that, hey, you know, uh, we are supposed to control our government, and when we're dissatisfied, we can do something about it. But to do that <laughs> might turn things on its head, might, might cause people to get nervous. And, and that's one thing that, you know, politics just does not allow for, nervous. They don't, they don't want to give up control. You ever wonder why uh, there was the big show in uh, D.C.? It wasn't that they um, felt threatened 
by violence. It wasn't that they were concerned that their lives were in danger. No, it was that they saw firsthand that a single individual was able to motivate, I don't know what the actual number is, well, we'll just say potentially a couple million people to stop what they were doing and come to a rally in D.C. That's what made them nervous, that they don't control us, that even though they think and they try to manipulate and mold what we do, their thoughts and their actions are not always successful. Their, their maneuvering do not or does not always obtain the result they expect. Now, for, <clears throat> for the purposes of my own sanity, uh, no, I had nothing to do with January 6th, nor did I encourage anybody to go. As a matter of fact, I made it a point to stay away from that and any other rally that may have been at any other state level because they just smelled. There was something wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it. And now we know firsthand because they're finally starting to admit it was overrun with feds, informants, people that were looking to entrap people. You know, I've always been cautious on making any pronouncements. I've always been reluctant to encourage people to do something specific for the exact purpose that I don't want to be responsible for somebody doing something foolish. I don't want to be responsible for putting somebody in a bad situation. I don't want to be responsible or even feel the slightest bit responsible for causing somebody to do something that ruins their life. But when they keep making all these laws, when they keep proscribing and rejecting anything uh, that we might want to do as not allowable. This is verboten, you understand. They, they've they taken the malum prohibitum, right? I think I got that right. Wrong because they said it was wrong. And they, they've expanded it so far that there's very little you can do where you're not breaking the law. It's been said that show me the person and I'll show you the criminal, right? So I ask you, don't you wonder how we got to this? Don't you wonder why we have a Texas constitution that is an enormous document? Don't you wonder how we can have, I don't know, 10 foot worth of uh, books that contain all of our laws? Don't, Don't you just wonder why it is we have so much control over we the people when we're supposed to be the freest nation in the world? When in Texas, we're supposed to lead the way. We're supposed to be the freest of the states. Don't you wonder about that? Aren't you concerned? Now, I'm imagining at some point my libertarian brothers out there are, yeah, 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 he's right. Yeah, yeah, I I hear you. I'm not comfortable with uh, anarchy. I I understand voluntarism. I I think that's, uh, how shall I put it, Uh, a dream. I, I mean, it's a, Wonderful dream, but it's still a dream. There's always going to be some government. When people talk about there not being a God, it's because they've supplanted the creator God with some other God. A lot of times it's themselves or it's government because you're always going to serve someone. I mean, you can say what you want about Bob Dylan. I'm no fan, but 
I think you got that one thing right. You're going to serve someone. Again, think about it. How is it that we can have so many laws when the Constitution was so simple and so easy? And then I was listening to somebody talk about the idea today that it's to the point where you're not allowed to bring up the Constitution in your court cases. That they stop the trial. Now, I'm sorry, but I was taught and I believe that the Constitution is the highest law of the land. So let me ask you, if it's the highest law of the land, how can you make laws that circumvent it and not be in violation yourself? How can you continue to violate the Constitution and, I don't know, stay as an elected official, stay as a government employee? How are these people not being rounded up? How are they not being held accountable? How are these states that violate Article 4, Section 4, right, which is guaranteeing a Republican form of government, how do they still function? I was listening to a podcast just uh, over this last couple days, and they talked about this very thing, right? Article 4, Section 4 guarantees a Republican form of government, and that's part of their oath. And if these people get elected or they serve in government office and they're violating that and they're trampling their rights, how are these people still around? It's because they protect their own. They're not concerned about policing their own. Now, you may recall that we've brought this up a time or two about the thin blue line. Now, we all acknowledge that the majority of the police do a good job. We all acknowledge the fact that we need the police to do their job, that we approve of what most of them do most of the time. The alternative is unthinkable. The alternative is chaos. I don't believe people are generally peaceful. I don't believe people are generally good. I do believe that (laughs) there's a certain amount of effort. There's a certain amount of difficulty in going after somebody so that that's the inertia. People don't want to have to do anything is why most of us stay peaceable. When I say us, I mean the general public, not just me or my friends. But the reality is. They police their own about as well as they police you. Think about it. How much stuff goes on that you see on a daily basis that is actually malum in se, right? It's wrong because it's wrong. We all know it's wrong and it happens anyway. I mean, on what planet do you get to go up and strike somebody? I mean, you can sue them, but there's very little chance that there's actually going to be justice. And we've so warped the concept of justice now. <laughs> If you doubt me, just pay attention to all those flags hanging around town. Um, I'm telling you, it's a it's a quandary. I'm wondering, what are we supposed to do? We have supplanted the Constitution with fictional laws that violate the very Constitution that's supposed to guide us. We protect lawbreakers, whether they're taking an oath or not, we protect them. In leadership, they do it all the time and we have to sit there and watch it. And I'm wondering, what are you going to do about it? Well, I mean, you can go run and elect somebody new. But again, we've talked about the idea that even when you win, you lose because they get co-opted. They get compromised so soon. It's sad. It's, it's, it's disappointing. I want to give you better news. But, but there is better news. Because in the end, it doesn't matter. (laughs) 
In the end, we know what happens. We rest truth in that. But it's going to be a bumpy ride until that happens. It's going to get messy. It's going to be challenging. But we're supposed to persevere. We're supposed to do the right thing. We're supposed to stand for good. We're supposed to value justice. We're supposed to love others. Now, there's some questions on how it is that you show that love and what's the proper way to do that. And I'll grant you that. The other side is usually wrong. But (laughs) when it comes down to it, I'm just wondering, are there enough of us left in Texas that we can still make a difference? I'm just wondering, is the remnant present in Texas enough to forestall the destruction of both Texas and our union. And I'm less concerned about the union as a whole than I am about Texas singularly. And it is entirely possible that the union as a whole fails and Texas has to exit to protect itself. And and I, and I advocate the idea that we have that ability to declare our own independence. We have the ability to strike out as an independent nation once again, and we ought to be aware of it. We ought to be discussing it. We ought to be looking at how can we best do that. There are a whole lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of things to discuss, but I'm just curious. How's that working for us? I mean, have you been networking? Have you been working with people? Have you been looking for people that are on the same wavelength as you? Are you, I don't know, taking a step of faith to go meet people that might be like-minded? Don't be afraid. Nothing's going to happen to you before it's time. That's all you got. Now, you don't know what that time is, and you shouldn't be foolish. I don't recommend going and playing in 75, that road goes rather fast and there's a whole lot of crashes. So you don't need to add to that. But if you're doing the right thing and you're standing for what matters, you got to have a little trust. So I'm just wondering, is there enough interest? Is there enough value? Is there enough left of the remnant of the patriot, of the constitutionalist, of the liberty lovers out there that we can make a difference? Now, we might not be able to change the outcome of some primary election. We we may not be able to change the outcome in the general election, depending on where you live. But there's a number of things that we can be doing and should be doing to prepare for what is potentially inevitable. I don't know what's inevitable. I don't know what's in the future. I don't know the mind of God. I don't think anybody does, but I can tell you, I'm entirely confident that as we have transitioned through the positive world, through the neutral world, and we're now entering the negative world. And if you don't know what those mean, I strongly suggest you look them up. We're going to have to find another way to deal with it. The Benedict option may no longer be an option. We're going to have to come up with our own action plans. We're going to have to come up with our own offensive techniques. And I know I've talked about this in the past, right? You can't always be on defense. Sometimes you got to go back and take something back. You got to make a difference. I read the book, The Boniface Option, before I went on vacation. 
Andrew Iskar. Now, I know there's some uh, folks out there <laughs> that subscribe to, uh, let's call it the Orthodox Church or the Roman Catholic Church, and they have a certain amount of amusement <laughs> that Protestants would be looking at a guy by the name of Boniface, that, that they're looking back to the old ways. And all I'll say to that is, hey, Protestants learn their lessons. We go back and look for things that worked in the past and maybe reutilize them for going forward. I'm suggesting to you, patriot, you Christian, you conservative, you liberty advocate, might you ought to consider looking back to the past to find out what works. Might you ought to consider working and allying with people that are on the same book with you. Maybe not the same page, hopefully the same chapter, but certainly within the same book as you. Because the times are upon us that we have to act fast. We have to make a difference while we still can. And with that, this has been according to callous. And as I say, I am here as a cheerleader. I know we can do these things, but even as a cheerleader, I've got to give you some cold, hard facts, some concerning things from time to time. And I just used my episode wondering about the things that just don't seem to add up. But there is a way through it. Until then, I will see you on the other side.